0: come
1: on
0: welcome to money savage savage approach personal finance this is george grumbacher and the time is right welcome today's guest the strong and powerful ryan curlin ryan are you ready to do this let's do it excellent let's do this ryan started his career at the new york stock exchange in their etf group and has been working in the ETF industry ever since. During his time there, he was part of the team that listed over 600 ETFs, which still make up 25% of the market. Today, he's the head of capital markets for Alpha Architect, LLC. I'm excited to have you on. Ryan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: Yeah. I. Uh so yeah i started at the new york stock exchange and the etf group as you said uh my my background is has been etfs my entire career and i uh personal life I'm, i i row it's kind of a hobby uh more of a hobby and and workout for now um, but at my peak i did did row for the us national team awesome so that was a, a fortunate experience to have Um, why do I do what I do? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's difficult to find meaning. I think working in finance, you know, it's not like being a nurse or a doctor where you're quite literally saving someone's life, uh, being a teacher where you, where you're working to make your students more knowledgeable. Um, but, but there, there is kind of this battle raging right now in finance. Um, I don't quite want to paint it as, 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 much as like good versus evil, um, I don't think anybody <laughs> potentially means the evil, but 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 uh, there is there is this trend into ETFs and into getting investors to pay a, a fair fair price for the value that that they're being delivered by by fund managers. Um, from 2005 to 2017, U.S. investors have saved an aggregated 266 billion dollars. Purely from decreasing fund expense ratios, and and that's that's just a phenomenal amount of money, um, and that's mainly driven by uh, by the ETF industry. It's crazy. Uh, uh, the lower cost that ETFs have brought, yeah. So so that's you know that's kind of the side I'm on and, and fighting for. So I think that's a pretty great
0: thing. Yeah, well, I appreciate and respect that certainly, and one of the the drivers behind. Launching this podcast was helping people to to better understand um, overall personal finance, but certainly investing and then really understanding how much your investments cost and how to figure out how much your investments cost because all too often um, it's just too expensive and if you're paying for something and you're getting a lot of return, well, then that's a worthwhile value. But that's not necessarily always been the case with a lot of mutual funds. So I think we're reading from the yeah, same script yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're
1: totally right. I mean, you know, and that's really what it is. It's just a matter of, of fairness, and uh, that's kind of where the trend is headed. But what's what's driven that trend? How how have investors been able to get more of a fair value? Um, you know the firm I work for. We're we're not like in in the low cost game, so you know we're we're not certainly going to totally debate the low cost thing. But but the um uh but the the point is just fairness and what what's driven that what's driven that is is the internet. So the internet has been this incredibly powerful thing to spread knowledge for investors, and and again the ETF industry has grown up with the, uh, the internet. So the first ETF was launched in 1993, about the time when the internet really started to, to take hold. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'll give you an easy example of how did the two connect? Well, I, I met with a, a major, uh, registered investment advisor in St. Louis one time and they were telling me they're like, yeah, my largest client. So an individual investor walked into their office one day and said, uh, uh, put down ten like a portfolio of 10 low cost market cap weighted ETFs compared to what that financial advisor had had them invested in for the last 10 years. And the ETF portfolio smashed in terms of performance, what the advisor had had them invested in for the last 10 years. And and the powerful thing, you know, we can get into kind of maybe why that portfolio outperforms some of the advantages ETFs have structurally, but but the really powerful thing of that story is just simply that, that investor could do that, that they could compile a portfolio of 10 different funds and compar- reasonably compare that performance to what they had been invested in. Um, like you, you couldn't do that in 1990, you know, and then fast right. forward to 2015 and Yahoo finance and Google finance and morningstar and, you know, whatever, um, all these ads, free or paid for tools, but that an individual investor can use that are just so powerful to, to give them transparency.
0: Yeah. I think that that's such a great point that it used to be clear as mud to try to figure out exactly how everything was working and where your fees and your costs were. So it's really changed quite a bit. Well, I'd love to get a, just a a breakdown of what it is about ETFs that are so valuable and, and you'll probably highlight the differences between ETFs and mutual funds in that process. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So there's, you know, I think there's a whole host of reasons. Um, You know, the ETF industry has just been booming in terms of number of assets going into it. The the mutual fund industry is about $17 trillion, the last I checked, in in assets in the U.S. The the ETF industry is about $3 trillion in total in assets in in the U.S., but for comparison, like two years ago, the ETF industry was one and a half trillion dollars, and the mutual fund industry was seventeen trillion, aka the same. And and ETFs have basically doubled in the amount of assets. right? Wow. And but what? So what's really driving that? Uh, what's really driving that? Um, that like I said, a couple of reasons. Um, uh, one of them is transparency, which which I just kind of walked through. But but ETF issuers. Uh, will will do things. They they publish their holdings on a daily basis, so you know exactly every day when you wake up what you own in your fund, right? So kind of removing that black, black box. Um, ETF issuers, the, the ETF industry just has a culture of transparency, um, right, by publishing your daily holdings, um, but also things like so many ETF issuers provide free tools that investors can go onto the, you know, you can go to iShares website, you can go to Vanguard's website, you can go to uh, Wisdom tree, all these different issuers websites um, and you can you can uh, access these free tools that enable you to analyze the investments you own and that's that's powerful right that's free um, um but then the the biggest driver um, well let me go with one other pretty powerful too before I get to the biggest, but pretty powerful too is also access so things like you can now access simply easily uh these uh more i don't want to say complicated but just more esoteric things um such as uh gold etf due to due to etfs you can now very simply easily um invest in gold by buying the gld etf or or there's a host of others um with, think about before you know if you wanted to invest in gold um you know you could buy a gold bar or buy gold coins and have them in your house but that's pretty uh, you know where do you store them how do you keep them safe um, with ETFs, it, it's much easier to hold. And and uh, interesting story on that. So then, but what happens if you're if you're what we call a gold bug? Um, there in 19, I want to say, let's see, 1933. Um, there was an executive order by Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, that that confiscated gold from individuals in the U S they actually released an executive order. You had to turn in your gold. Otherwise you were, uh, uh, you you could get a uh, up to $10,000 fine, which was a lot of money back then or five to 10 years imprisonment. Uh, So there's like this niche community within the U S that doesn't even trust uh, uh, owning gold within the U S because the government could potentially expand it. So what did the ETF industry do? There are now ETFs that, own gold for you you actually own physical gold by investing in ETFs but they hold the gold in Singapore or in London or somewhere else like you don't trust that. Um, so that's like how finally you can dice, dice your views using ETFs which is just interesting. Um, but the, the last one, uh, the last and kind of biggest one that's really driving it is is the tax efficiency. So yeah, ETFs are uh, basically create this tax deferral um much much more efficiently um, uh, than than a mutual fund would um, so that you can you can hold on to more of the gains that that you are er, uh, that you earn to, through the returns of ETFs compared to a comparable mutual fund
0: well got it well that's certainly a powerful thing um, yeah how does it in terms of actually figuring out what your what your after tax return is, if I'm holding these things in a taxable account, how does how does that work?
1: Yeah, so so because um, if you don't if you don't have taxable money, right? If you're invested in an IRA or a four hundred one k whatever returns you see are, are, you know, exactly what you're getting. If you looked at like the, you know, the five year previous return history or whatever, and, and that's all well and good. So, um, but if you're investing taxable money, um, you know, if you have money, just in a brokerage account or wherever it may be, um, you, you you pretty, you only care about your after tax returns, right? So it's, it's great if you can, um, if you could have, uh, uh, you know, 10% the 10% returns, right? And that's just what it was. But it, but if, if it was uh, 10, 10% returns and you got 3% of it taxed, well, you actually only got a 7% return. So, um, you, you know, to figure out your after-tax return, it's your gross fee, right, gross of fee return. So that just means taking nothing into account, minus uh, fees, minus income tax on Dividends and capital gains tax minus uh, your capital gains tax after liquidation. So that that last one minus capital gains tax after liquidation. That just means you know if if you if you buy an ETF or a mutual fund for ten dollars and you sell it ten years later for forty dollars, um, you know you're taxed on that between that that spread right from ten to forty dollars. Um, but then the other part right where ETFs can help. Uh, when you're figuring out your total return. So your total return, again, it's gross of fee. So management fee minus uh, your income tax on dividends and capital gains tax. So nothing can get around the, the dividends, right? So when an ETF or a mutual fund pays out um, uh, dividends that you're going to get tax, you have to pay a tax on that. Like uh, uh, you know, cause it's income coming out to you. So everybody has to do that. Mutual funds, ETFs, you have to pay out of it. But, ETFs are much more efficient at managing, um, that middle part, the capital gains tax. So often, um, if you own, to, this is the most powerful in, in high turnover equity strategies, but if you're, if you're a fund and you're has a high turnover of the equity, um, meaning you're constantly, you know, you're buying Microsoft. And now, you know, in the next quarter you decide Microsoft's no good. And now you want to buy Amazon, um, That would trigger within the fund a capital gains uh, distribution if Microsoft went up, right? So Microsoft goes up, the fund sells it. They now have to distribute those capital gains to the uh, underlying fund holders, right? ETFs are are, uh, able to uh, often get around that um, um, due to what we call the creation redemption mechanism. Uh, how does that work? Just generally, and just going to kind of simplify it a little bit real quick, but, um, but basically, so if, if you were like, oh, I want to sell $50,000 or 50,000 shares, which is about a million and a half dollars of the CTF, let's just say, um, well, what would happen? There's this thing we call an authorized participant. Authorized participant would receive those 50,000 shares. They would deliver those shares to us, the fund, and then the fund instead of us having to sell the stocks like you would in a mutual fund, right. Instead of us having to sell the, the proper amount of stocks, we would actually just simply deliver out the stocks. We wouldn't sell them to the authorized participant, which is a trading firm. Um, And, and that, authorized participant would then liquidate those stocks. Now the power of it is because we didn't sell and we just simply in exchange got, we received shares of our ETF in exchange for those stocks in the tax code, we call that an in-kind transaction. That's like something you could look up in the tax code. But so that's so powerful because now, even though the, you, the individual investor decided to sell, the other people who are continuing to own that fund aren't affected by you deciding to sell, where as in a mutual fund structure, they would be affected um, because we had to sell stock because you wanted to sell. Um, so that that's the powerful thing. So it, it's really all about tax deferral. You want to defer your gains as long as you can. Um, and, and so by us not getting hit by those capital gains taxes, you, the individual, investor are unable to de- defer your taxes much longer most of the time.
0: That is interesting. Is that the way that every ETF works, or is that firm by firm? Or
1: almost every ETF,
0: yeah, yeah. So this is this is just you know
1: all good to go for the the ETF structure in general. Yeah.
0: Got it. Now, you mentioned the pretty explosive growth of ETFs over the past uh, three years, give or take, or a couple of years. Um, how often before? People see more ETFs showing up in their four hundred and one k's.
1: Yeah, that that's always kind of been like the the final frontier for ETFs, and they've been talking about that for yeah, yeah, ten years probably. Um, and it, it 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 seems like you know, like I said, in the four hundred and one k, there's not as many advantages to having uh, an ETF with with non taxable money as there is taxable. So that, that's like one hurdle just from an inertia kind of thing. Um, but then, you know, the reason that's mainly pointed to is, is there's all these kind of legacy systems are set up to use uh, mutual funds for, for when they're providing clients with 401ks and, and things like that. So um, there's kind of just like a technology legacy issue there, I think, that, that prevents ETFs from being in 401ks. Um, or, or IRAs, things like that. And I'm sorry, you could have IRAs, um, but um, but uh, but yeah. So how long? It, it, it could be anything. Every year they say it's like one year away. We're gonna solve it. So <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. No good. I don't have a great answer actually for that.
0: Yeah. Well, technology none, legacy. None of us have a crystal ball. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. soon, soon.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're working on building that. Yeah, the crystal ball.
0: Nice. Well, Ryan, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: Yeah, the 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 uh, the difference-making tip. I would just say, you sh- you, sh- you know, every situation is different, but you should, if you have taxable money, um, you should definitely look at at incorporating ETFs uh, uh, into that, um, especially. Uh, if, if that taxable money is invested in stocks, you know, always do your own research Go talk to others who, who would take the other side of this because that's the best thing you can do You know find somebody who has the other argument um, uh, But if somebody in finance can't explain something to you clearly you, you got to keep looking
0: well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets come on come on So Ryan, <laughs> okay. thank, thank you so much for coming on where can savage nation learn more about you and your firm
1: Yeah, you can go to alphaarchitect.com. So alpha, you know, like the finance term, and architect, like the you know, home builder. uh, Alphaarchitect.com, or or you can follow me at at Ryan P. Curlin. Uh, That's Ryan P. K. I. R. L. I. N. on Twitter.
0: Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Ryan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to AlphaArchitect.com and follow him on Twitter at Ryan P. Curlin, and I will list both of those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Ryan. Thank you very much, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and